Hello everyone and happy 2023. What a blessing it is for me to be able to share with you today on New Year's Day and on the Lord's Day. I don't know about you, but being in 2023, I feel a greater sense of relief because I'm farther away from 2020 and 2021. I don't know if that's a little deceptive, but I'm super excited about just being able to enjoy things like New Year's resolutions, right? Do we still do that? I don't know, but either way, I'm gonna go with that because I wanna really focus on the root word of resolutions, which is resolve. And that's simply our desire, this concept of New Year's resolutions, to have change, good change in our lives that create a betterment, which is wonderful. I wanna be able to use the story of the woman who had the issue of blood. This is a story found in Luke chapter eight, verses 42 through 44. This woman had resolve. She made some choices that changed her life. And I wanna talk about resolve that determines our lives. A few points that I hope will help bring hope in the midst of challenge, joy in the midst of darkness. Just steps, simple things, simple choices we can make that the scriptures bring out for us that can help us along this journey of life. These times of new beginnings, which New Year's is, that, and I, I really appreciate that focus and perspective of new beginnings. That is such a Christian principle. We have a song we sing in our staff time, right before our Sunday service, and it's called The Steadfast Love. And it's from Lamentations 3, 22 through 24, and it says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I feel like this sums up the goodness of God. His mercies are new every day. It's not just every year. Just like our choices aren't just one day a year. It's a step-by-step every day choice we make to follow God and to walk in his ways. The woman here that we're going to be talking about in a moment suffered 12 years and found her hope at the end of that tunnel. I want to use her story to help bring out some points that I think will encourage us today. Let's read this together. Again, Luke chapter 8, verse 42, it reads, But as he went, the multitudes thronged him, meaning there were a lot of people around him. Now a woman, having a flow of blood for 12 years, had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind, touched the border of his garment, some translations call it the hem of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. To provide some context with what the story focuses on about the woman here, I want to reflect on the Mosaic law, which is found in Leviticus chapter 15, regarding her specific situation where she was bleeding constantly. Now, as a woman who was having this issue of blood, she was considered unclean. As much as she, had, she was hemorrhaging and bleeding, she was considered unclean. Therefore, she couldn't touch anybody without making them unclean. She herself was unclean. So imagine someone being quarantined for 12 years on lockdown. This woman likely didn't have close relationships because whoever she was around would be unclean. So I imagine maybe she was alone. She spent all her money on doctors and she was never healed. So she had 
she was suffering financially. She was likely kind of an outcast in society, so she was probably extremely alone, probably in her house all the time, never leaving. I'm sure this woman went to dark places, was in a place of despair. The thing is about these challenges in life, like this woman, hope is birthed out of situations like this. Hope just doesn't appear. Hope comes from the soil of adversity and becomes this tree that strengthens us and others around us. So this message I have here is a message of hope. At least that is my intent. My desire is that as we look into this woman's life, her persistence, her faith, her life perspective even, would encourage us. The first thing I want to focus on is her resolve for healing. She had a focused faith, a beautiful boldness. I look at her as a heroine, really, to imagine all the things going on in her mind as she is so desperate for healing. She goes through this crowd to get to the Savior. And that tenacity is something to be honored, something that models for us the way the Lord wants us to fix our eyes on Him, as the Scriptures say. She had a persistent faith. She fixed her eyes on Christ. Her gaze was on Him. She was desperate. In the end, when she realized that she could not deal with this on her own through this, the ways of the world, the, the technology of the world at the time, Her desperation was channeled to Christ. And really, that's where our desperation should always be channeled from the very start. But we're stubborn as humans. We want to do things on our own. We want to take the bull by the horns and do things on our own. And we'll talk more about that aspect of it. But I want to focus on another aspect that I imagine she had, which is she had a purposed perspective. Her life lens was different. She had a paradigm shift. I can't imagine she didn't because she went through 12 years in this state and still must have had hope because she was still living. She was still walking day to day until she found her Savior. I wanted to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 through 18, and it's written by the Apostle Paul. He definitely had a different life lens. He writes this, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You see, to give you a little picture of what Paul went through, because you might ask yourself, he's calling what we're going through in life light affliction? How can he do that? I think Paul's one of the few people who can get away with this, because Paul, for instance, was stoned. He was on the verge of death. People just threw rocks at him until he almost died. He was whipped 39 times on five different occasions. He was beaten with rods, shipwrecked a few times. He was imprisoned for his faith. I know he's he's likely has seen 
several of his other friends die or heard of it, friends of his, his die during the course of their speaking the gospel to, that, to the Roman world at the time. He wrote letters in prison. And out of all of that, he writes light affliction, describing what we go through in life. And I find that fascinating, and I find that challenging at the same time. The scriptures, as beautiful as they are, can be challenging for us. They're, they're meant to pull us out and get a different perspective on things. I imagine it would be like a, being a cross-country runner, if life was a cross-country track. I say that because cross-country, you go through trails, you go up and down things, and you don't really see the finish line, right? You, you know it's there. That's the unseen. All you see in front of you is really the obstacles you're trying to manage as you go along. That's what I think Paul was trying to get at. This light of this exertion that we have during this life, these, these pitfalls, these hurdles, these obstacles, they're light affliction compared to the amazing fulfillment we find at the end of the road. We can't see it because it's maybe around a corner through some hills, but it's there and it's beautiful. And Paul saw it and that's what motivated him. And he's asking us to do the same. I imagine that the woman who is struggling in this story had to have a little bit of hope to get her to the point of Christ. And even, we all just need a little bit, a, lot, a tiny seed of it. Because hope is similar to faith in that way. I wanted to share a story of my own. Because I wanted to reflect on what this woman went through. I had a time in my life where I doubted the very existence of the creator I serve. The God I love. From a young age, I was brought up in a Christian home. Parents who modeled the faith. I loved the Lord. I wanted to actually be in ministry. I wanted to, to do what I'm doing now from a young age. And I was in Bible college at the time. I remember I was about 19 years old and I had a period where all of a sudden I started doubting the very existence of my God. And it was like for me as if the sun was shining and then it was eclipsed. That I, I knew it was behind there, but it was dark. Um, and I didn't see it and because it was eclipsed for so long. I I started doubting it was even there. I found myself getting deeper and deeper in despair, finding hopelessness, meaningless and meaninglessness in life, feeling abandoned. I would cry for hours in prayer underneath the prayer. There's a little prayer room in our the chapel at our, our school, and it was such a dark time, I felt so lonely and so hopeless. And I imagine the woman that we're talking about in this story felt that probably 10 times over, but I was able to experience that. And even though God did so many amazing miracles in my life, it's like I couldn't remember any of them. Things I couldn't explain that only God could do, that it was beyond knowledge, healings that were only God could do because they were instantaneous. Things that happened in my family's life. And it's like, I couldn't remember, not, not for a moment. I would call my mom and I would ask for prayers for me and she would pray for me. And she, she would say things sometimes like, this too shall pass and, you know, things like that. You know, yeah, I'm sure we have, we have our friends who they mean well and they say things like, trite things like, hey, it'll be okay. You know, or like, at least it's not like, 
You know, how many of you have had that happen? I'm sure most of us, if not all of us, have done it or have received that, right? Of course, it's coming from a place of comfort. And I had a friend tell me one time that there's a difference between empathy and sympathy, and he described it based on something he listened to, a podcast, and essentially described how sympathy was someone who's standing uh, above the pit while looking down to someone who's in the darkness and just saying, hey, it's going to be all right, you know? And empathy is when someone jumps in the pit with you and says, I'm sorry for what you're going through. And just there with them, just being present. My mom, she started out right with the, with the more trite stuff, but then shifted. She, she realized where I was at and she prayed for me and she was talking to me about what she experienced at a women's conference where this miraculous thing occurred. <laughs> and she, she recounted the story and I don't know, it was just the simpleness of the story. It like woke me up and it reminded me, I all of a sudden began to remember the things God did. And it was like light shined into my heart and it was I, I, that eclipse passed, the, the moon crossed over back away and the, the brightness of that light came in. As simple as that was, it broke me out of that period of depression and it was such a time of hope. And I reflect on it now. And at that time, it was like the Lord was saying, Stephen, I allowed you to go through this because I want you to know what it feels like for those who are in darkness, who don't have me, so that you can feel what that feels like, that hopelessness, so that you can empathize with them, that you can be motivated to help them from that darkness into the light. I would never go back and change what happened. And I'm sure there are many of you out there who've gone through things who are like, I'm so grateful for what I gathered from that moment. That's what these afflictions, these light afflictions, as Paul calls them, that's what they're meant to do. They're meant to build us up, to strengthen us, to give us hope, to be able to share hope, to be ambassadors of comfort, ambassadors of empathy, ambassadors of Christ. I, can't, I can imagine that the woman here, she was an, an amazing ambassador of comfort once she got her healing from the Lord to others in the area. I can only imagine that. I can picture it. The other thing this woman had is a resolved, she was resolved to humility. She, I want to read the, the story. It continues here in verse 45. It says, and Jesus said, who touched me? This is after she reached for the hem of his garment. When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you, and you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. This woman showed it immense humility and courage, both. She did, she could have grabbed and got her healing and then took off, right? Because she realized, you realize she went through all these people, probably touching all, making them all of them ceremonially un unclean and then coming to the Lord and then telling everybody what, ha what just happened, right? So I'm sure there was some embarrassment, all of that stuff, but she, she remained courageous, but humble. Humility is what she showed when she walked through that crowd in her desperate state 
she realized she could not do this on her own. She needed a savior. You see, humility is like a key. It unlocks a spiritual door that allows things that we wouldn't otherwise receive to come forth. And I find this understanding in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6, 6 through 7. It reads, Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. You see, we can't cast our cares if we aren't willing to let them go, if we're holding on to them. We can't cast anything if we're doing this, right? <laughs> like, it's impossible. We have to have humility to go, to go okay, I, 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 can't, I can't deal with this, God. Please take it, right? There's this song called Jesus Take the Wheel. <laughs> There's times where we get so desperate, like, all right, Lord, just take it. I can't deal with this anymore. But oftentimes, well, what do we do? When we feel th- things like our back to normal, we, we go, go grab it. Try to, try to take it back when the Lord is the one who wants to, to help guide us in those ways. You see, with these things that we might carry, humility helps us in this way. It's like a child. Imagine maybe a five-year-old who has a toy, breaks the toy, and goes, and literally chucks it or <laughs> tosses it, casts it at their parents' feet, and says, Please fix this. I can't deal with it. They're not even saying I can't. They, they just automatically, they know I can't deal with this and cast at their parents' feet, knowing their parents can deal with it. Similar in that childlikeness, which the, the scriptures lift up, that humility of a child, the innocence of a child, that's the same way our Heavenly Father wants us to come before Him with the things that we carry. He wants to give us hope by allowing us to release the weights and allowing him to be there for us to carry them. The other thing is that when when we lack humility, we also lack rest because we're carrying all this stuff on ourselves. And especially going into a new year, we want to have a resolve to be humble, to give these things to the Lord, resolve to allow God to be part of what we're doing in our life, whether it's our successes or our failures, our challenges, or the great things that are going on. The Lord wants to be part of it, and he wants to bless it. He wants to give us rest. In Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I imagine the woman, after 12 years, was completely exhausted emotionally, spiritually, physically, in all ways. And she finally found her rest when she cast her cares at the foot of Christ, reached out for him, and embraced his, his light burden, his rest. Rest is more than just being unconscious for eight hours. The Lord wanted to give us a soul rest, an emotional rest, a, a holistic rest. And in this scripture, sometimes we miss the key to how to do this. It's back in, let's look back in the scripture, verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Well, what is he asking us to learn? Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. So he's saying, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So in order to do this, get this rest, there's something we have to do. We have to learn his gentleness and humbleness. 
And then it says, and you will find rest for your souls, as if there's a connection between humility and finding rest. Learning from Christ. Christ, we just celebrated Christmas where we celebrate how God took on flesh, became man. He humbled himself from glory to a small baby in a family who was poor, in a manger where animals were, to the lowliest parts for our sakes, because he loved us so much, so that we could find rest, so we could find healing. It's a beautiful thing that the Lord's done, that he's expressed through Christ. God's expressed through his son. The third point I want to talk about, our final one, is called resolved to wholeness. Jesus Christ, our life, our joy, and our peace. So verse 46 from our story. But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. So the woman went through the throng, grabbed the hem of his garment. She fell down. This is after she, she said, okay, it was me, really, essentially. We read this scripture earlier. Now, when the woman saw this, she was not hidden. She came trembling, falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I, want, I highlighted a few things here. Daughter, good cheer, faith, and go in peace. We talked about faith earlier, so we're going to talk about the different things the Lord did in that one sentence that are amazing. The first one was he called her daughter. He spoke to her identity and said, you are my daughter. You are part of a, a family. She fixed herself on Christ. She chose Christ. There is an adoption that happens when we reach out for our Savior. When we choose to follow Christ to become a Christian, we are essentially becoming a son or daughter of God. We are adopted into the family. The fullness of our, of our identity is found in Him. We are adopted as sons and daughters of the King of the universe. What an affirmation. There's so many things that we can find identity in in our world. We can find identity in our successes. We can find identity in our jobs. We can find identity in our relationships or in a person. All these things can go on and on and on in addictions and whatever. In the end, none of those things will ever fully fulfill. None of those things will ever be consistent enough. People will fail us. Jobs will fail us. Our aspirations will fail us. They'll never, they never be enough. They never fully satisfy. Only when our identity is fully found in Christ, as a son and daughter of Christ, that is where we find true fulfillment. And when our focus is, is there, the rest falls into line. This woman found fullness in her identity in that healing moment. Daughter, he said. The second was, be of good cheer. And I wanted to focus on this a bit because... There's a difference between joy and happiness. I, my second point is called fixed on joy, the, resolved, the resolve to contend for joy. Happiness is an emotion. Joy is, is a little different. Our emotions are fickle things. They're, they're kind of like um, a hyper puppy, right? <laughs> hyper dog. You know, if, if you don't train them 
they're going to train you. It's the same with our emotions. Either we maintain our emotions, they control us, or we control them by training them. They're still impulsive, still um, reacting out of instinct or reacting out of whatever's going on in, in life, right? That's our emotions, like a, like a hyperdog. Uh, I like how um, Eugene Peterson has a quote about feelings with regard to their connection with how we view God. And I thought it was appropriate for what we're going to be talking about, the difference between joy and happiness. My feelings, he says this, my feelings are important for many things. They are essential and valuable. They keep me aware of much that is true and real, but they tell me next to nothing about God or my relation to God. My security comes from who God is, not from how I feel. Discipleship that is being a student of Christ, is a decision to live by what I know about God, not from how I feel about him or myself or my neighbors. Happiness is emotion, but joy, joy is something deeper. It's deeper than our surface emotions. And I, and I wrote this as a way to, to describe what I think is a good de definition for joy. I wrote this, in my opinion, it is better described joy as a well of confident hope, whose spring is fed by the king of the universe, a well we choose to drink from that infuses us with life and grants us an enduring strength. This is part of that living water Jesus speaks of, the thirst-quenching joy of the Lord, the joy that gives us strength. The resolve to contend for joy is something that goes beyond our emotions, even though we tie joy with emotions so deeply. It's a fruit of the Spirit. I feel Paul kind of understood this when he wrote 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. He said, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And you might ask yourself, in everything, like even in the dark times and in the good times? And all, yes, in all of it. He meant all of it. And especially as we reflect back on the earlier verse when he says light afflictions, he, this is the same writer saying the same thing. He had this well of contentment that went beyond circumstance. And it, it's a, a, a model for us as we are in a place where we might struggle. There's hope. There's such hope because the Lord wants us to be able in the middle of something to be able to still praise him as difficult as it is. We want to feel like a spark in order to we want to feel a spark in order to be able to express joy. Sometimes that's just normal for us to do. It, it's almost tied with like trying to be authentic, but the way the scripture teaches us to model joy is a little different. It's almost like a choice. Like we can choose in that moment to reach out for joy, even though we don't feel the emotion behind it, if that makes sense. Um, like you're climbing up a ladder and you're saying, God, I, I give you praise in the midst of this. No, and I give you praise, I just thank you. And you start thanking maybe for simple things. I found this actually to be very true in my own life. Very recently, the Lord has helped me understand more in a tangible way how this looks. And I found it when I was going through something with someone very dear to me, someone very dear to me was going through a dark time of despair that reminded me actually of this woman that we talked about in the gospel story. And this person who's very close to me 
was in a place crying every day in a dark, dark place and sad and going through an emotional struggle. And I tried to be in the pit with her, like I talked about earlier. And, and I myself actually was brought to a place of that similar despair, almost like it, almost like it came upon me myself as I was with the person, because there is a danger when you're in that together too long, it can affect you as well. There is spiritual, a spiritual element to things we go through. We we wrestle not against flesh and blood, it says in the scriptures, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness. There's things that occur that we can't explain. And so when I was trying to comfort this person, I myself was being overcome. And I went on a mission to try to find just some quotes that would encourage um, this person in my life. And I found this quote, but the quote ended up kicking me in the gut. I don't know if you ever read something or someone said something to you that really, <laughs> really was like, oh, geez, I, I needed to hear that. It, it hurt good, like that kind of thing. And I, and I reading from, it, there's sayings from an, an Eastern Christian uh, monastic named Elder Paisios, and this, he, he passed away in the late 20th century. And there's some books of all his sayings, and I found this, and I, I was moved by it kind of convicted, actually, and it said this. Grumbling is caused by misery, and it can be put aside by giving praise. Grumbling begets grumbling, and giving praise begets giving praise. So essentially, grumbling snowballs into more grumbling. Giving praise increases praise. But when someone doesn't grumble over a problem troubling him, but rather praises God, then the devil, devil gets frustrated and goes off to someone else who grumbles in order to cause everything to go even worse for that person. You see, the more one grumbles, the more one falls into ruin. Sometimes the devil deceives us and makes us unable to be pleased with anything. However, one can celebrate all things in a spiritual manner with giving praise and securing God's constant blessing. Seek the latter of discerning praise and thanksgiving, rejoicing in God. When I heard that, it snapped me out again. You know, people, things like that happen where you're in a funk and then like something happens and it just like kind of pricks you and you wicks you up. And I'm like, I read that and I was like, yeah. And I started doing very weird things, simple things that might seem weird, but they really helped pull me out. I began to just thank God for random things. I was like, Lord, thank you for my family. Thank you for the air I breathe. Thank you for clean water. Thank you for this blanket. Thank you for my toothbrush. Thank you for my car. Thank you for, I started just being grateful and thankful, even in that dark place. And the more I did it, it was like I was, it was like the rungs of a ladder. Like I was just like this, that little quote was saying, and it felt like it was lighter and lighter because it was in faith that I was saying praises. I didn't feel like saying praises or saying thank you to God for anything. I was doing it out of obedience as the Apostle Paul was asking us to do. And this quote re- reinforced that very scripture. And I wanted to talk to you about it today because it, I felt it was important because in the middle of our darkest times, we have hope and we can cling on to little bits of, of hope that the scriptures give us of how to help us during these times. They're not instantaneous all the time. Oh, they just, I say this one thing and boom, it's, it's all fixed. It's not like that. It's, it's a rhythm of life. And I think what the scripture is trying to tell us is have a rhythm of gratefulness and praise. And those, that rhythm and that training that you do of gratefulness and praise day to day will flow into those 
valleys and the high places and the low places. And you'll consistently do that as part of your life. And that will help you during those hard times on that cross-country race that, that is of this life. I hope that encourages you a bit. It encouraged me, and I wanted to share that, and I, and I hope it's something um, that brings a little bit of hope in, in these times when we go through the valleys, but that are consistent through the high places, the successes, when God's blessing, you can sense it abounding. The last point I want to make has to do with finding peace. The word peace in Hebrew is shalom, and it's likely the word that Jesus used when she spoke to this woman. Shalom. And when you look at the word, it, it's more than just peace, like restfulness. It's, it's, it's like describing wholeness, like being completely whole and healed around, and like emotional healing, completeness, soundness, welfare. Peace in Christ is what this is found in, the Prince of Peace, Jesus. This woman found emotional healing. So when he said, go in peace, that's what he was speaking to this woman. Go in peace, a holistic. That, this is what Christ is speaking to us. Ultimately, Christ represents the fullness of wholeness and healing. He wants us to have healing of soul, mind, body, holistic salvation. He came for the whole of it. He does heal us physically, but the emotional and spiritual, these deeper things are really the point of focus with Christ's ministry and consistent. He, he is the full representation. He's the fullness of peace, joy, patience, perseverance, endurance, above all. He went before us to show this and express this and model this for us. He wants us to find peace. He wants us to come to a place of wholeness in Him. And it's really only found in our Savior. As we spoke about earlier, fixing our gaze on Him, putting our faith in Him, being grateful for what He's doing, having humility as we come before Him, letting go of the wheel of our lives, letting God come in and help us. All these things take choices, resolve, resolutions, for a better word, that we make. That's not just for the new year, but day to day. I wrote a song called The Master's Hymn, really off this scripture. And I, I, I wrote it based on that loved one I was speaking of earlier who was going through a dark time. And it reminded, because it reminded me of that story, I wrote a song about it before I even wrote this message, actually. I wrote a chorus of this song as a way to be an encouragement to my, my loved one. And all the things I began to research as I did this message, I put into the verses to be a declaration, a prayer, something we do in faith. And it's all about we, we choose to. And it's all the ill elements of these points we we're talking about. We choose today to gaze, to fix our gaze on Christ. Today, we choose to grab the master's hem and hold on to it and persist in thanks and praise. And I hope this song is an encouragement to you that it can be a, maybe a reminder of the things we talked about, maybe in times that are hard, other times where are, you are hopeful. And it's supposed to be a joyful song of hope, of declaration that we can make together. And as we continue and you're able to hear this, I hope it's encouragement to you. And I hope it's something that 
can be something that uplifts you, that you can maybe pass on. It's called The Master's Hymn, and the band is going to be doing it now. And before I do, I just wanted to close with a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. His face shine upon you. His love overshadow you. His enduring hope fill you and bring you joy and peace. In Jesus' name, amen. take your hand to walk with you and on your promises to stand today we choose to walk by faith to hold our gaze upon the only one who saves the only God who saves we won't give up no we won't give in we won't
You know, so much of what we need is the Lord's touch and restoration. I keep thinking about the opportunity that is before us right now. I'm talking about the gift of a new year. It really is. Now I know we can't predict how it's going to turn out. We've learned that, haven't we, these past few years. We don't know uh, if it's going to be a hard year or an easy year, a good year, a tough year. Uh, it's hard to know. One thing we know, though, is the Lord is with us. And hopefully we'll all be together too. I really want to make that journey with you. I do. And so I pray for all of us that the Lord would keep us in our heart, in our soul, in our mind, uh, in our spirit, and in our bodies. And that He would really help us in our relationships. And this would be a growing year. That we would be a people who are taking advantage of the momentum of this uh, new opportunity. It feels like a time for growing, doesn't it? And I ask that the Lord would help us all to be a growing, more optimistic, faith-filled people. And even now, Lord, I ask that. Please, give us the gift of a soft heart. Give us the gift of optimism. Give us the gift of faith and trust. Because your love is unshakable. And we're so thankful for it. So here we go, guys. A new year. Let's make this journey together. In your name we ask it, Lord. Amen.